Mr. Aaron Velke, welcome to the Live Your Truth Now podcast. How are you, my friend? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, brother. I'm so, so, so good. Thanks for having me. Dude, I'm I'm so excited you're here because uh, two years ago when we met through our friend Anthony Balduzzi, you uh, changed my life. Um, you changed mm. my life in such a profound way that even to this day, I still remember that retreat we did. I still remember being at that house. I still remember uh, the time there was actually this exercise, everybody that Aaron put me through that like scared the shit out of me. And it was, I got blindfolded and I had to have somebody lead me around this backyard area. And I remember I had no clue where I was going and I just had like a massive panic attack. I like freaked out so bad. And uh, I remember you assuring me that entire time that I was okay and I was safe. But it un- it undid a lot of uh, things that I wasn't. I shouldn't say undid, but it it made me aware of the things I didn't know I was aware of, which mm-hmm. was that I was scared and I didn't know how to trust and I didn't know how to believe in myself. And that was the way that I got in my own way two years ago. Well, three years ago now we're in twenty twenty four. So fast forward, now here you are. The the man that helped uh, get me started on this trajectory for the last couple of years. So first of all, thank you, man, for all the work that you do. You're you're an amazing guy, and I really appreciate you. Thanks, Mike. That's uh, one of the most significant compliments I can get. Is that you changed? Yeah, and I'm glad I did. I, I really am. And speaking of getting uh, out of your own way or getting in your way, I think we could start with we could talk about both of those things or one and the same, um, but. The work that you do with your business partner, Marty Noki, who um, Marty's a, an amazing guy. You two have built this company. Get out of your own way. Plain and simple. There's no, there's no, no sex appeal really to the name. It wasn't <laughs> like, you know, you know, it's just, you know, we're, we're going to call our company Get Out of Your Own Way. And I want to talk to you about that because I think the name's polarizing. I think it's very um, profound. And I also think it speaks to a lot of the work that you guys do. So, Aaron, tell me about the work that you do specifically in Get Out of Your Own Way. I've been a coach for a long time in and across various different modalities. I started coaching athletes and now coach entrepreneurs. And and what we've deduced through a lot of touch points, entrepreneurs all have different dreams, all have different aspirations, right? So let's say I sit down and, and I say... Well, what is the consistency between entrepreneurs? It, it becomes very difficult to triangulate what is the same in mm. the future. What they want, what the goal is, if you're listening, what, what you want out of life is different for every person because we all have different values and different things. So if I sit down and like any other business representative, say, hey, what's your avatar? And ask that of our group and the people we work with, it's very hard to pick something because people are in different industries, they have different experiences, and their targets are all different. So if we look at it from that perspective, coaching becomes very wide. Do we help the construction company get to a place where he can sell the business? Or do we work with the tech company that wants to grow a team that has good culture? Well, those are very different things. But if instead we look at the mirror, and I look at my entrepreneur really on my entrepreneurial journey. I hate that word. So many weird letters. I know. If it's I lost really syllables. Look, I know. Syllables. Like we need a <laughs> Unnecessary syllables. 
Yeah, unnecessary <laughs> syllables. <laughs> the only way you know you're a real entrepreneur is if you can't spell the word. That's how you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so if I look in the mirror and I say, well, well, I've actually changed my target numbers of times. What I want, what I thought I wanted, what I thought the world wanted me to want. If I let all that go and just look in the mirror, I can tell you that I've been the biggest problem. I have been the biggest limit. I've been the biggest challenge. I've been the most frustrating nemesis. So if I use the mirror as the teacher and say, what is it that we intend to do? Is that we, we look at entrepreneurs and say, what would happen? What would change if you lived under the assumption that you're creating the problem? And, and just under that assumption, not that you are or aren't, would that create change for you? And I, I think what we've been able to do and what I've seen across athletics and business is that when we adopt a mentality that we are possibly the problem, we invite a new opportunity and that opportunity is we might also be the solution. Mm. And we get people out of their own way in so much as they change their patterns, they change the way they empower people, they change the way they communicate, they change their daily habits, they let go of the things that they, the, the world tells them they should want for what is aligned with their values and who they are. And they get to be much more authentic in the expansion of their enterprise rather than trying to play this game of uh, here's who I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to wear. It, it is, it's transformational at its core. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and something that you said, I love the, the phrase, the mirror as the teacher mm. and deducing that down into what would change if you admitted or you saw yourself as the problem. For an entrepreneur, and especially in the work that you do, I am sure that you come across people that have massive freaking egos that are, yep. that have built successful businesses. They've gotten to the six, seven figure, high six figure, high seven figure range. And there is a level of confidence and comfort that comes with the status of your bank account. Mm -hmm. And it takes a certain type of person, I would imagine, in the work that you're doing. To say the bank account's great, I still don't feel whole. I think something's missing, and I'm going to come to you, Aaron, and have have you remove this block for me. Tell me about the experiences that happen when that question gets posed. What if? What would change if you found out that you were the problem and the solution? It's often a, a really interesting dialogue because. Right. Generally speaking, with a specialized coach in a particular industry, you might come to that person and say, what's the answer? And in this kind of work, we magnify everything in your life. It's not just your business. We have seen tremendous results in businesses going from six to seven figures or seven to eight. That I love that part. The, the special piece, though, is that we're not here to project our expertise in an industry. We work in so many of them, probably 18 of them, that that's not our mm. role. Our role is to zoom out above it and to allow someone to garner enough wisdom about industries in general from our work across all kinds of, of industries. So being agnostic, we're not in this specialty of, I'm going to tell you how to do your job. I'm not. That's your space. That's your lane. What I am here to help you do and what we're here to help you do is to start looking at your business and your life inter as an intertwined vessel. And 
what, what starts to happen in entrepreneurship that I find really fascinating, I got caught in this web too, is we really base our worth, our value in our production. So if the business is doing well, oh, we're on a high horse, we're indomitable, unstoppable. And yeah. if the business is not, we sink low, 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 and we find ourselves to be less than. And we put ourselves in these, these positions that almost remind us that we're less than. So, so if our value is based on the business, our, our up and downs aren't just business anymore. They're, they're personal. And they're, they're like deeply woven into our character. So much of what happens when someone says, hey, can you help me break through this is give me the answer. And what we end up reframing for them is the question. And I have found that when you change your questions, your life changes. But if we're stuck in a pattern of the same questions over and over and over, if we're stuck in the same mentality over and over and over, not only does our business not change, but we refuse to look in the mirror because, yeah. because we're, we're, we're just not getting the answer that we want. So we don't change the question. We just change who we're asking. So I'll give you a concrete good, example. Of that. I love that. We just, we might say something like, and again, I, I've walked through all of this. This is the <laughs> yeah. only way I know how to help people. I might say, well, why can't I get my business from six figures to seven figures? And someone might say, well, you know, do you need a scalable product? Do you need better marketing? Do you have funnels? Like, yeah, yeah, we got all that set up. It's just not working. Okay. Do you, do you have the right team in place? Like, yeah, well, it's not working. Well, m maybe. Maybe the answer is you. And we might say like, no, 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 I, whatever, I'm going somewhere else. And we ask the yeah. same question. Why am I not getting there? Is the team in place? And we're just going to keep asking the question because we don't like the answer. And in most cases, the hardest confrontation that we got to make is with us. And our work, I think specifically with entrepreneurs who may have a very strong ego and may have worked very hard to build a mantle that is, I'm successful now. I have proven something that I always wanted to prove. But what's next? That, that question is ultimately what most people are asking when they come to us. Maybe they just sold their business. Maybe they hit a new plateau. Maybe they got to a place and it's like boring. Maybe they, they're recognizing that they built this whole enterprise on sand. And it's starting to wither away as the weather changes and as their family gets older and like all their relationships crumble. Yeah. Maybe that's the issue. And if you run away from the question of what's next, you can't actually get to what's next. And what's next might look very different, much more fruitful, much more exciting, much more aligned. But most of us, I think, run from that change because it's a, it's a huge change. You got to change your identity. And that's a lot of our work underneath the core of it. Yeah. And... And something that you you talked about, well, I actually wrote something down here. It was like the hardest confirmation of truth is that we're the problem. And we're also the solution. And when you were talking about building things on sand, the first thing that I thought about was the way that we as entrepreneurs, anybody that's in business for themselves, will immediately attach their value, their inherent worth to how successful their business is. And so when things are good, you are... You are amazing, right? Like you're unstoppable, yep. <laughs> you're invincible, like no one can touch you. Um, and then when business is bad, it's I'm worthless. I'm I'm no nobody loves me. I I can't do anything right. Yep. And you guys have this movement you've actually built within, uh, which leads me to my next question. You guys have this movement that you've built within 
uh, get out of your own way. And it's the well movement. And yeah. I love the well movement. And I'm not going to steal your thunder to this or bury the lead, but I want <laughs> you to talk about this because I think the the way that you're phrasing people getting into this notion that their bank account and the success of their business really defines who they are. But if you were to strip that business away, a lot of people have a hard time seeing that they're their own entity outside of the business because as an entrepreneur, they think they are the business when in reality, you know, entrepreneur is all about finding opportunities. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about this this wealth movement. I, I love this. And I, and I think it's so good what you and uh, your partner, Marty, have come up with. So we just put this on t-shirts and I'm really excited because yeah. we're launching a retreat this weekend and a retreat next weekend. So a lot of our guests will get this. Uh, the t-shirt is a triangle. So at the very top, uh, I'm a big fan of like symmetry. So one letter at mm-hmm. the top, then two letters, then three letters, just like a triangle would be. I am well, W-E-L. And each of those letters in well is a, a very important word, very important to our ideologies, also very important to the change that we'd like to see in entrepreneurs as they grow. So those letters are W, worthy, E, enough, and L, lovable. Again, uh, a lot of this predicated on my history. I have been a, a workhorse and a stallion in so many arenas to prove that I was those three things because I didn't believe that I was those three things. The, I, didn't, I never thought myself worthy. I never thought myself to be enough. I never found myself to be lovable. And I can tell you what happens if you continue to exist where business is the cover-up, the makeup for those three problems, right? It's like covering up acne. It's not that we have to pretend that we aren't it's that we have to deal with the fact that we don't believe those things. That's the real work is why don't you believe that you are? But if you if you just keep covering them up, you end up, I'll, I'll speak from my perspective, I ended up pursuant of things that only perpetuated the whole. Like I just kept pushing for things that would mask all these things yeah. and still the hole had not been filled. Wor- worthiness is really important to growth. I know I can I can tell you out of you know the hundreds of people that we've coached that probably 60 to 70% of them don't believe they're worthy of success, don't believe they're worthy of big money, don't believe they're worthy of high value clients that that when you text them and need to change the schedule they say no problem, I appreciate all you do. There's something about being worthy that is really interesting in entrepreneurship. And, and I think that as much as we like to say, I'm chasing success, I'm chasing success, I, I actually think that what we're chasing is very different. I think we're really afraid of success. Most of us are really afraid mm. of success. That has been my deepest fear for a long time. Yeah. Uh, there's a great quote about that. Nelson Mandela is attributed to it, but it's, it, I think is a different poet. Our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate, it's that we're powerful beyond measure. And and I'm much more afraid of success because in success is everything unknown. Like, I, I don't know how to handle the next stage. I don't know what it's going to look like. So, so if I true. don't feel worthy of it, I'm not going to go into that. I'm never going to chase it. And I think that this, that same quandary exists in being enough. Have I worked enough? This is the first year where I took off 
between holidays, Christmas and New Year's. I didn't, I didn't do any work. I might have checked an email once in a while, but like I, I didn't do any work. And the, the, the puzzle that was happening in my mind was, have I worked enough? Did I work enough this year? Did I do enough to earn a break? Am I worthy of a break? Am I going to be lovable if in this next nine days, I don't reach out to clients and tell them I appreciate them? Am I going to be good enough if I pause and just spend this moment with my family? Like th- These are warped ideas that are predicated inside of entrepreneurship. And this idea of I am well, can I just say that to myself? I am well, I am worthy, I am enough, I am lovable. Just as I am, man, that that feels like a motorcycle slamming into a wall. Like Not only am I crashing, but I'm like flipping off the bike through the wall because those words <laughs> yeah. were never things I used to describe myself. They, they never were. And what becomes interesting is if if we truly work on that, what starts to happen is that when you want to take time off because you need a break, you take a break. Which is the that's the whole success idea that we started with in the first place, right? We we did not build businesses to work a hundred hours. Now there is an uphill climb, but at a certain point, once you hit a, a, a like critical mass in your business, you have got to think differently. You have got to change and morph your habits. And if you don't think you're good enough or you're not enough or you're not worthy of a break, then you are going to be caught in this 100-hour work week for the rest of your life. And ironically, the coolest shift that we get to see is when a, a boss becomes a leader, when someone that is in charge of an organization that has done well gets out of the way and lets the people underneath them be empowered to go beyond them, feels good enough to take the break, feels good enough to go away, trusts them enough, feels worthy of the time off, doesn't feel so like tethered and plugged in, feels lovable enough to go sit with his wife or her husband or partner and significant other and kids and family and just say, I'm here. I don't need to prove anything to you all. We don't need to go on the best vacation. I'm giving you my time and my presence. It is a transformational shift when those three things become adopted. But the adoption process takes time. And yeah. our work is largely predicated on, hey, can we can we start to see what success really looks like and not what it's projected to be? I think most people also need to start thinking about their business and their lives and seasons as opposed mm-hmm. to like, this is the only way that I have to do things is I got to grind, I got to sacrifice. I've yep. actually found it. And when you were talking, I resonated with a lot of what you were saying too, which was that, you know, can I feel and just be okay where I'm at? Mm. And when you don't, and it's different, you know, for people out there who've been broke or who are struggling with money. Um, and, you know, and especially in American culture, any capitalistic culture, you know, money is the the antidote to a lot of problems, but it also causes a lot of problems, especially when you attach who you are, what you think you are, And measuring this worthy, enough, lovable component to how much you have in your bank account. And I think it's it. And I think like when you, when you get to a point in your business and you start talking about time, like one of the best things is we just got off the holiday break. It's, you know, it's that the time we're recording this, like we have just stepped into a new year. That time off for me and my business was amazing. It was so good, you know, and I, and I enjoy work, but I also am playing this game of, 
I love time freedom. That's why I'm in business for myself. I love helping people. And I also love being in control of my time. And I think when you, when entrepreneurs make that shift, it is so powerful. And what it sounds like to me is, is that you, you have your clients and especially you, you move them into a, a, you move them into a mindset of quarters, like a game, like it's first quarter, it's second quarter. Right. And then there's a halftime break. When an entrepreneur encounters this wealth movement, when they encounter this for the first time of, you're worthy, you're enough, and you're lovable. Right now in this moment, if you took two days off, you would still be fine. If you took three weeks off, you'd still be fine. If you took no time off, you'd still be fine. What's the reaction that you get when you tell somebody that they're lovable just as they are? Two things. The first is all of your beliefs about yourself are going to argue against that, mm. which I welcome. I, I think that's important. Bring it. Let's go. Let's let's yeah. step into the ring. Is that subconscious that that's coming um, up, or where does where does often, that stem from? Often, yeah. Okay. yeah it, it it sometimes is kind. Of, if you've done a lot of work, if you've done a lot of inner work, and you've you know you've had some counseling or therapy, if you've done any deep introspection, you may be able to to pull that to the conscious. Most of it will happen subconsciously. So subconsciously, what will go on is you'll you'll say like, "Hey, it's okay, sure, no problem. I'll take a break." And during that break, every all the demons will start coming out. All the excuses. Well, no, no, no. Like I need I need to check on this, or you know, so and so to text me, and I need to to answer. So it's all going to come up, and we just have people write out what they're experiencing, what their their words are, and the language that they have. We all have a voice that says something to us. Uh, my voice's name is Bruce. Bruce sucks. Bruce is a dick. And he will <laughs> regularly tell me, you need to be working. This is this is where you get ahead, right? We we hear this in all the all the news. Like, hey, entrepreneurs, you can get really far ahead if you work these three days in business. Nah, man. This is where you need to take off, strategize, rest, recover, and get your mindset for another another hill, another climb. So we get to hear all that subconscious. But the second thing, and and probably the more difficult thing to manage for us as entrepreneurs, we are undoubtedly these like fascinating artists. And and what I love about working with artists is that when there's stimulus, we know how to leverage it. We know how to take like frustration and anger and hurt and like alchemize that create gold out of it. But when we take that away, when you just have to accept that you are worthy, that you are enough and you are lovable, it's like a detox. So the the like drug that we use is work. A lot of times we cover up our lack of presence and our lack of worth with effort and energy. And when we detox from that, crazy things happen. People are like, but I don't know what to do. That's a good thing. I don't yeah. know where to go. I don't, who do I spend time with? Well, now you're going to start to see all the cracks in the pavement. You're going to start to see all the breaks. You're going to see that your relationships might not have been formed on anything stabilized. You might see that you, you don't have relationships outside of work and business. You might start to find that you can't sit still and you can't be present, that you're constantly drawn to the next thing versus the thing that you have. You're not grateful. You can't be grateful if you're not present. You might get caught up in all these things. So it, it kind of shows you 
it, it is almost like looking at a curtain that's like a bright, lovely forest with like sunshine, and you start to implement these new ideas and the curtain opens and you recognize that it's actually not a healthy forest, that it's like dark and cavernous, but there's like like fire lighting up a new way that allows you to go through this and get to the bright forest. We we think that we have it all figured out because we're entrepreneurs and we're tough. And like, look, I, I've worn this mantle too. I'm like, I got it. I got it. I got it. I can work my way through it. I'll just keep going. But at the end of the day, when you have to sit down and, and sit with yourself and say, okay, I'm worthy of a break. You're going to find out really fast whether you are lying to yourself or whether you're you're truly able to sit down and, and rest. And man, both as an athlete, a coach of athlete as well, and as an entrepreneur, it took me... I'm going into my ninth year as an entrepreneur. It took me seven to get to a place where I could be like, I think I've earned a rest and rest is enough. Yeah. You have to rest. And, and, and I'm so glad you brought that up. My, because my dad was a, um, my dad was a quintessential example of rest. He would work extremely hard. He was an entrepreneur for 50 years, but he always had hobbies. Like he was active resting. He was gardening. He was working on his car. He was watching football. Like he was, you know, as he teamed, he was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just fucking around. That's like what he would do on his off time, but he was a CFO. So he's like crunching numbers. He's like deep in the weeds. The IRS is like, you know, from time to time would come in and, you know, they do an audit because he's running these big accounts and doing these, you know, in that stressful high tempo part of his life was counterbalanced or was balanced as I should say with growing tomatoes, working on his BMW, reading a book, nice. kind of puttering around. And I, and I was so fortunate to learn that from such a young age that you can work insanely hard and it's great. And I think in this world, and this, which gets into my next segment with you, um, I think in this world, there's so much more of an emphasis on speed and we have to have things right now mm. as opposed to the rest aspect. And most entrepreneurs that I've interacted with, and I'm sure, you know, and I'm sure you have too, is that they go, well, just two more years. I can stick this out for two more years or only six more months of a grind. And then like, we'll launch to the market and I'm going to make $8 million and then I can just chill or I can delay everything. I'm just going to work. I'm going to make a ton of money and then I'll be on the beach sipping Mai Tais. I'm sure you've heard that before. Yep. But when you get into the game of entrepreneurship, you're actually not doing it to go sip Mai Tais on the beach for the rest of your life. You're actually getting into it because it's a game. Talk to me about the reframe that comes when you take an entrepreneur from the financial, the status achievement that comes with being successful into playing the game of entrepreneurship, of opportunity. Entrepreneurship is the most exciting game, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I love I this game, man. The, okay, I, th I think that when we start... What we imagine is something that we win. So that is predicated on a, a, a variety of other experiences. And when we play soccer, we play basketball, we play football, like you're, you're playing for a win. But if you, let's say you play in the NFL, you're not, you're not secluded to, to just one game as a, as an athlete at that level. You're playing for the Super Bowl. 
But if you don't qualify for the Super Bowl, your career is not over. Mm-hmm. You then start the next season. So it's an easy metaphor to extrapolate to entrepreneurship. Maybe this business, maybe this product, maybe this funnel that you're building is a single NFL game and you're playing a full season. Mm-hmm. And then after the season, you would restart and do it all over again. So you, you kind of have these ups and downs and swings. But if if we're so landlocked on this is the win for me, there are two consequences of that. The first is that when you get the win, if you have not figured out why you're playing the game in the first place, you are going to be miserably lost. And we happen yeah. to meet a lot of people in that transition. I've sold uh, my business. That's so good. Now what? And the the, the problem mm. with with that particular philosophy is that if you've built the business around that milestone, you have now completely eroded the intention of that business by achieving the milestone. Like that that's the warped part of it, right? If the goal was to get to an eight million dollar exit and you built yourself up to get there, and now you get there, you have no spinal column anymore. You have no reason, you have no direction. So you're lost. The second thing is that if you go for that win, but you are doing anything and everything frantically to get the win, and you're like, okay, I love this. I do want to go after it again. You probably don't know the science of what you've built. You may not be able to duplicate it again because it was so random and frantic. It, it, it almost is a, a, a randomized effort versus a collective strategy. And those things are, are really problematic. Ultimately, my philosophy is that we're playing a game that's infinite. The, the goal of the game is to keep playing the game. Yeah, and that's right. If, if, we're, if we're playing by those terms, and I plan to do this until I'm 60, 65, 70, 80, well, maybe a day off ain't so bad. And, and maybe mm. taking a vacation is actually one of the best things to do in the horizon. Maybe going away and getting out of country for a few days and seeing if the team can manage it without me is, is a great stress test of the org. But that, that time horizon, I can remember how, how much of an impact that had on me. I had a, a mentor say, tell me your five-year vision. And I was like, okay, this is where it's going to go, and this is what I want to do, and this is what I want it to be, and here's how it affects people and impacts people. And he said, okay, wh- what does it feel like if we stretch that to 10 years? And it was like just melting butter that had this huge weight on my shoulder. It was like I had a concrete block, and he melted it away like, like it was nothing just by taking the time horizon and extending it. Mm. It's... It's the difference between if, if any of you listening have played sports, you can tell the difference in an athlete that loves to play the game and one that is just a fighter to get an outcome. And I think that in the realm of entrepreneurship, the, the two most dangerous things are comparison and FOMO. And if, if, the, if those yeah. two things you can navigate by saying like, look, I know what I want. I want to play this game for a long time. Now I'm not racing against anybody else. I don't got to race to an $8 million valuation. I don't got to race to an exit. I don't need to race to a certain product market fit or race to a certain team size. I I don't need that because I'm not compared to you, nor do I feel that I'm missing something by not doing what I'm meant to do. But this whole thing of like, can we enjoy the process? I have watched people shift. We we help people shift. And when you start to, to rotate just that 90 degrees, what ends up happening is you recognize a, a fundamental truth. The purpose of business is not profit to shareholders. 
That was a that was a definition described in a paper or the Wall Street Journal in like the 1970s, and everybody locked in on that. The purpose of business is to expand the individual, the lifestyle, the community, and the family. And if you think of it that way, now the business and the enjoyment of the business is deeply tied into the other activities that you do. It's tied into your health. It's tied into you going to concerts. It's tied into all these things. But the exit of that is typically the collapse of most people. And we tend to meet people at a, an intersection of pain and change. So they may have sold the business and they're like, well, who am I? I'm like, well, listen, I don't know because your identity was largely the business. You don't know who you are because you were the business. Who are you outside of the business? Look, I get it. We're, I'm this way too. It is deeply woven into who I am. That's how we built it. But that doesn't mean that I can't exist outside of it. And I, I, I genuinely, like, I, I believe in raising the, the yellow flag around business and business owners who are of the opinion that when you sell, life will be better. One large flag inside of that yellow flag, maybe maybe the red flag and all that, is if, if you don't know who you are and you're successful in business and you stop the business, you're going to have a lot of time to be faced with the biggest question of all. And you're going to lose yourself in that chaos. If you have... 13 hours a day of obligations and you go down to one hour a day of obligations, you're going to find out real fast what your habits are. You're going to find out what you believe. You're going to find out where your demons are real fast. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is like the truth, man. When you are not filling all of your hours of every single day with work and it's reduced down into one hour or two hours of work. Uh, a book that profoundly changed me was The 4-Hour Workweek. And when I read that and you started seeing all the things you could do to automate your business, all the things you can systematize in your business, and you start recognizing that you literally can manage your business with four hours, you start going, wow, there's a lot of books I could read. Or wow, I could actually go for a walk and be okay with the fact that like the world's not going to crumble beneath me. I'm not going to lose everything. And I, I love when you talked about comparison. It's something that to me is like, Man, in the beginning part of my entrepreneurial journey, that was the only thing that mattered to me. I'm not where that guy is next to me. I don't have the brand that this company has, or I'm not as recognizable as this founder. Yeah, I should be on this stage. I should be on those podcasts. And, uh, you know, candidly, this, this person doesn't know shit. I know more than them. Or like, you know, how did this how did this guy even write a book? Like, you can't even <laughs> spell entrepreneurship. You know, like, we've all said it. And I've said it too, you know, and a lot of that inner critic when you were talking about Bruce, I don't have a name for mine, but I hear that voice. It's like, what do you, what do you, how come you don't have a, that person's got a million followers. Nothing of what they said is, is profound. Yep. And I've done it. And the moment that I moved from comparison, I started finding more peace and more gratitude for what values and is important to me, which is time. And getting to choose my energy and where I want to spend it. And then money becomes the byproduct of that. And again, I, nice. I, as I said in the beginning of the podcast, it was because of the work that we did three years ago where you took me through that process and, and said, is it really about the money with you or is it about what the money gives you? And that was it. It was time and energy and like being in charge of that. So, I, man, I, I love this. Um, I love this comparison aspect. And what I what I want to do now is 
So we're getting to the end of the show. Um, first off, Aaron, you're you're so great and you're so talented at what you do. Um, thank you, man. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for the lives that you've changed. I'm sure there's people that are listening to the show right now that have been, been impacted by your work and your content. Um, and thank you just for putting yourself out in the world. This is very much needed work. So I appreciate you, man. And I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, and as you know, uh, we ask every single guest to tell us what living their truth means. So Aaron, when you hear living your truth, what does that mean to you? It's funny because I, I, I think that raises the bar and the standard for a lot of different facets of, of my life. So when I think of live your truth or live my truth, that requires uh, a couple things. One, I think it's making choices that are aligned, maybe authentic, even if they're difficult. I mm-hmm. think that it's very easy to get swept up in, in not making difficult choices. And then now you're living out of integrity and out of what you believe in. I also think of living your truth is, is showcasing your vulnerabilities and your hardships and your flaws. You know, we're, we're in a, a very plastic enameled world where everything is veneered and everything is sort of covered over with it's makeup on makeup on makeup and living your truth and, and sharing that out in the world can be really scary because you, you have to relinquish the fear of being judged. You have to feel enough as you are because someone will tell you that you're not and you have to really know yourself. I, I think another big part for me when I think of living my truth is can can I accept the the life that I have? Can I accept the hardship that I've been through? Can I accept the the good things? Because if I try to accept only the good things and wipe away the bad, I'm I'm not really accepting. So to mm. me, living my truth is also a big degree of acceptance. Uh, there, there are some struggles that I've walked through over the last decade where it, it's taken me years to accept that one, I might have been the culprit in the creation of these struggles and two, that, that they happen and there's, there's nothing I can do to unwrite them and to accept myself. Uh, really, I'd say acceptance is almost all three of those things. Can I accept my choices? Can I accept my flaws? And can I accept my history? And, and you know, the more that I grow, the, the more I recognize that those three things, uh, flaws, choices, and histories, to accept that has taken a lot of time because I have to look back at a younger me or a different mm-hmm. me and say, hey, I love you. Hey, you're worthy. Hey, you're enough. Hey, you're lovable. And I, I have not been able to do that for many, many, many decades. I'm, I'm 36 years old, so I haven't had many of them. But I can tell you that almost all of them, uh, up to 30, were I don't accept my choices. I don't accept my flaws. And I don't accept the history that I have. So I'll work hard to rewrite it. And instead, you know, 30 plus, my work has largely been, can I acknowledge and love my choices? Even if they were wrong, even if they That's were so good, they set me up for failure. Can I accept my flaws, the things that I I care to change and that I don't care to change, the things that make me me, the things that make me human, and 
can I accept my history, where I came from, the the path that I've walked, the the mistakes and the fumbles, the the times that I, I broke my own trust, the times I broke the trust of others. Can I accept those things? And if if I can do those things, then I can move forward. If you can accept something, you can move forward and grow. So to me, I'd say uh, kind of working my way back to this answer is acceptance. Yeah, man, that's so good. And that was a powerful way to end the episode today. Aaron, thank you, my friend, for all of your knowledge and your wisdom. And uh, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for Thanks for joining the show today. Thanks for having me, Mike. Yeah. And thanks to all of you for tuning into this week's episode of Live Your Truth Now. If you like what you saw, please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to our YouTube channel. And if you're listening to this podcast, please give us a follow on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Mike Ligori, and I will see you next week. Take care. 